you know, that's, uh, that's one of the things that we value here that we want to keep is that we're a family and that we can accept anyone. Amen. We can embrace anyone. So thank you, brother. We don't, we don't want to see color. We don't want to see any, anything except one another's face and say we're a brother and sister in the Lord. And so we're, we're, I'm thankful for that testimony. So, um, man, that was a, some great testimonies from their ladies. I wish I could have got to go to that retreat, but I was born a man, so, um, which I'm thankful for, by the way. And not confused about either. But um, there were some men at the retreat, though. If you go help and do something, you get to go. So maybe I should go help next year. Somebody else, some one of y'all can watch my kids. So... <clears throat> So open your Bibles real quick to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And my wife referenced this earlier about getting ready to go into the promised land. That's kind of well, what we're going we're gonna to look at today real quickly. You know, I've been so, I've been so uh, impacted by um, our study that we're doing on Wednesday night called God Swears. And it's all about covenant. And so in it, I don't want to summarize the whole thing, but for those of you that haven't been able to come because either you can't come or you're serving in other areas of our church, uh, ministering to children or youth, um, the basic idea is, is there's, there's so much covenant in the Bible that we, we don't catch because we don't understand the ancient covenant rituals and the ceremonies. And so there's, uh, Pastor Jerry goes through ten different signs of the covenant just from ancient times. It has nothing to do with... Christianity, it's what the whole, all the cultures were doing. This is how they came into agreement with one another. And the one that's really stuck to me the most is one of the ceremonies in a covenant. If I'm going to come and make a covenant with you, in other words, me and you or my family and your family, my nation and your nation, there's, there's, a, there's an exchange of things that goes on. And one of them is, is that you take off, they would take off their, their weapon belts take out their arrows and their weapon belts and, and share them with one another. And the picture of the covenant was, because we're in covenant together, my strength is your strength and your strength is my strength. So if someone attacks you, they're attacking me. I'm going to come to defend you. And so then you begin to think, I begin to think about the rest of the Bible where, where, where God says, okay, I'm going to be in covenant with my people. And then he says, the battle belongs to the Lord. So when you think about that, why does the battle belong to the Lord? Because if I belong to God and I am, we are now in the new covenant, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enter into a covenant relationship with God. You are now, there's, and there's all kinds of other ones, I don't want to go into all those today, but a lot of them have to do with there's some blood in there, but there's this exchange of strength. So God says, I'm going to give you my strength. I'm, I'm giving you my weapon belt to know that, hey, if someone comes after you, I'm coming after them. That's why the battle belongs to the Lord. And so we're going to jump into, into Joshua 5 because this is the, the precursor to the battle of Jericho. And if you, even if you haven't been in church, you may be familiar with the battle of Jericho. It's where they... The people of God are going in to take the promised land. God says, here's the strategy. I want you to walk quietly around this city. 
every day, this whole week. Good strategy, right? <laughs> nobody was saying, nobody who was into taking lands would say that's a good strategy. But God says, look, this is the good strategy. This is what I'm saying. And so they, they of course, you know, marched around one time. And then the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And then they've been instructed by God that after they marched around the seventh time, they would shout and these gigantic walls would fall down. Okay? Sometimes we've been in church so long that, that we read that, we go, oh yeah, we don't realize how ridiculous it sounds. Okay? And now I know some of, uh, some of you are good Pentecostals or good Spirit-filled people where you've, you, you've done your old little Jericho march around stuff. Have you ever done that? I'm going to just march around this. Have anybody ever done the shout? Well, I know Kim has. <laughs> some of you are like, no. <laughs> and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit may just bring that to your remembrance and you need to, you need to shout some, over some things and that might, be, that might be what God's telling you. But it's really ridiculous. But what happened was they shouted and the walls came down. It happened. Why did it happen? Because God is their covenant partner. He's fighting for them. He's like, hey, we're in a covenant relationship now. So I'm leading you, and you know, in fact, that, and it's interesting, the covenants with God, He doesn't even worry about our strength. He says, yeah, you can give me something, I don't need it. <laughs> but there's a mutual sharing. He says, I'm going to let you participate, though. Even though I don't need you, I don't need you to do anything. But I'm going to invite you in to share in my strength and be a part of my plan that's going on in the earth. Be a part of accomplishing what I want. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share in my strength. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you open visions. I'm going to give you the word of knowledge. I'm going to give you the power when you lay hands on someone, when you pray, it's the breath of God. So all of that's a part of the covenant we have with God because we're His covenant partners. And so... Before they, take the, before they take Jericho, though, there's some very important and interesting things that happen. And so I just want to go there today. We're going to read. This is Joshua 5. The battle of Jericho was Joshua 6 and 7. And so to set the stage, Moses, who's been like the greatest leader ever, has just died. And this guy named Joshua has to follow the greatest leader in the history of mankind up until that point. This guy who spoke face to face with God, led them out of Egypt, had movies made about him. It's, it's amazing. I mean, he was that good of a leader. You know, you, you know you've made it if they make a movie about you, right? And so Joshua says, you know, how am I going to do this? And what does God say in Joshua 1? Over and over, he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. What does he say? Last week we talked about God's presence. What does God say to Joshua? Hey, I'm going to be with you. This is why you should be courageous. This is why you should be strong. Because I am with you. Same thing goes for us. Before Jesus left, what did he say? Surely I am with you. So now you can be strong. Now you can be courageous to obey what God calls you to do. Because that's what it says in Joshua 1. It says, I'm going to admit, you need to be very courageous so that you do what I say. It takes courage to obey God. It takes a lot of courage. 
It's not an easy thing. We don't want to minimize it. It takes courage to make the right choice, to make the choice that doesn't make sense in the world, but you know it's the right choice, you know it's what God is saying, and you make the choice anyway. That takes courage. I love the testimony, Jacob and Sharon, I hope I'm not, I don't want to, but I, I love the testimony, Jacob, of you saying, no, you go. No, you go to that retreat. Because you had, I don't know, I just think God, whether you knew it or not, I think God was speaking to you. And you were hearing from God because there was a breakthrough for your wife that was waiting in that place. And there was all kinds of stuff going on that was trying to stop her from getting there. And so sometimes it takes courage to obey. Okay, I'm just, you know, this might be a rough weekend. I don't care. You go ahead and go. It takes courage to obey what God is saying to you. And so Joshua, or God says to Joshua, hey, be strong and courageous, for you're going to have to do everything I say. And so they cross the Jordan River. What happens? The same thing that happened to the Red Sea. The, the river is parted when they obey God. They put the priests at first with the ark of God, and the waters part, and they walk through on dry ground. When they get out, the water goes back to normal. I'd love to see that someday. I don't know if I ever have a purpose for getting across a river that I can't cross, but that'd be fun. And so they get across, and, and here's what happens. So before they jump into the battle, before they get to Jericho, this, there's something that has to happen. It's very fascinating. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over... Their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. And they, they were hearing about what God's doing. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt... All the men of military age died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. Remember, they, try, they tried to go in the promised land, and they didn't make it because the people were like, we're too scared, there's giants there, we can't go in there. And so God says, all right, we're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then the next generation, they're going to have to take your place. I hate to be a part of a generation like that. So, and it says, so all the people that came out had been circumcised, so when they left Egypt... They'd been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not, for one reason or another. It doesn't say why. So verse 6, the Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that He had solemnly promised to their fathers to give, a land flowing with milk and honey. So He raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. That's a good idea. <laughs> Try not to talk about that too much. Uh, you know, I don't even know what that would be like as an, as an adult, but uh, I don't, I'm glad I didn't have to experience that. Uh, so the Lord said to Joshua, Today... Look at this. This verse is so awesome. Today, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. All the, all the this junk of slavery and being downtrodden, being, being beaten down, being tortured, 
Having nothing, I've removed that today. So the place, so this place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal sounds like the Hebrew word to roll. So on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. In other words, they celebrated you know, what was instituted when they left Egypt. And the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped that day after they ate the food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. And so we're going we're gonna to come back and finish chapter 5, and that we'll finish it in just a minute. But we're going to go back to the start. Here's the deal. Chapter 5, I want to let you know that as I'm reading this, this time I'm going, oh, it's covenant. It's covenant. When were the people of God first asked to circumcise themselves? Well, thank you for asking. In Genesis 17, when God comes to Abraham when he's 99 years old and says, Abraham, I'm your, I'm your shield and great reward. Giving the weapons. Covenant language. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I promised you to do. I'm going I'm to give you descendants and I'm going to give you land. And I'm going to make a covenant with you this very day. And here's how we're going to seal that covenant. You circumcise your household. And so it says that day, Abraham took all of his family and household and servants, whether they wanted to or not, and they were all circumcised. He entered into a covenant relationship with God. And so what happens when they come back? What are they coming to take? The promised land. How is it rightfully theirs? Through a covenant partnership with God. What do they do when they enter into the land? God says, you got to take care of the business of the covenant. Before you go to Jericho, before you take the next step, you've got to be, you've got to, you've got to cut yourself. You've got to be, they, they talk, the word was cut a covenant in the Old Testament. So that's, so there's a cutting that's going on in this instant. So, it was a mark that they belonged to God, that they were His people. Sometimes before we, we enter into a, a, our promise with God, He brings us back to points of us being in covenant relationship with Him. You know, we don't have to be circumcised now. It has nothing to do with the outward part. But it says, hey, the circumcision we get in the New Testament says, hey, our hearts are now circumcised. There's, 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 a, there's a cutting away of the old there's a cutting away of things that don't need to be there in our life. And so now we're in the new covenant with God. We're in relationship with Him. And so we, we go back, we return to that. And then God says, before you, before you enter into the promise, you have to keep your side of the covenant. So that's exactly what's happening here. You know, we would miss that if we don't understand covenant. I'm seeing it all over the Bible right now. So I apologize if you're like, I'm bored of the covenant already. So, uh, well, you might want to skip out for right now. Um, <laughs> So, I'm just kidding. I don't really mean that. Um, so, the, the language is, is so much there. And it, it's interesting that, that immediately, in order to enter into the land, they have to make a step of obedience to obey what God told them years ago as the people of God. So, I don't know if there's something that God has told you before 
You know, sometimes he'll just bring you back to something. Say, hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? You know, we, we have a covenant, my friend. We're in a covenant partnership. And I want you to know that you belong to me. You know, in, in the New Testament, we do have a mark. It says we are, we are sealed or marked with what? The Holy Spirit. The, God gives us his mark, his very own presence. That's what marks the people of God, is the presence of God. And so as they, they obey God, sometimes we have to take a step of obedience in order to get into our future with Him, in order to see the promise fulfilled. You know, there's, there's sometimes where you have to just take that step of faith, uh, whatever it might be. And so it says next, what, is it, what do they do? They celebrate the Passover. Passover was, was really another form of a covenant. You know, God says, hey, I'm not going to destroy you like I destroy the Egyptians. You put blood on your doorpost and you're going to remember the day that I passed over and I delivered you out of your slavery. I delivered you from slavery to freedom. And so what do they do? They celebrate the Passover. So what do they first do? The covenant of circumcision. They renew the covenant with God. Then they renew another covenant with God. Then what happens? It says, Now when Joshua, verse 13, was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I I just love that just because it's like, nope. (laughs) But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then... Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, or is holy ground. And Joshua did so. So here's here's what happens. So they obey God, they renew the covenant, and then what happens? Joshua has an encounter with whoever this is. And we have a clue with who this is by looking at what Joshua does. When Joshua sees him, he's got, he's got his sword drawn, and what does the guy say? Hey, are you for us or against us? Nope. <laughs> Neither. I, I'm God. I'm on my own plan right here. I'm going to do my own thing, and you can join me. In other words, and it says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Immediately, Joshua falls down and worships him. So who is this? It's Jesus. Here's why this is Jesus. Every angel in the Bible, when a man bells down to him, what do they say? Get up, don't worship me. I'm not God. Who's the only person of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who manifests in human form? Jesus. This is Jesus having an encounter with Joshua. Whenever you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, there's an appearance. You've got Gideon. You've got different ones. I believe it's Jesus. It's God himself. It's not just an angel. It's not just whoever. Because the angels will never accept worship. An angel will never accept worship. Look, even the book of Revelation, what happens? There's an angel there and John the Apostle falls down and he's like, Get up! Get up! Worship God, not me! Get up! 
So this is God Himself appearing to Joshua and says, hey, take off your, sh- take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Why is it holy ground? Because God's there. <laughs> Wherever God is, is holy ground. Now I have this thought for you. Okay? This is, you can weigh this out. I've never thought of this in terms of the taking off the shoes. I understand it's, it's the reverence, and I understand it's kind of like the taking off of the, you know, the shoes are dirty, so you just take them off on the holy ground. But I had this thought. God had promised Joshua that wherever he put his feet, wherever he put the soles of his feet, that God would give him that land. And so if this is holy ground that Joshua is standing on, God says, I want your skin to touch holy ground. In other words, it wasn't trying to get Joshua away from God's holiness. It was trying to get Joshua close to God's holiness. I think it's pretty cool because it's like then, it's like, hey, your feet have been touched by God. Now think about this. If we fast forward to the New Testament and we receive, when we receive Jesus, what does He say? We receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit into our lives. Where is holy ground now? Where is holy ground? Me. I'm now holy ground. Changes my perspective a little bit. Look, God's not trying to get me away from His holiness. God's trying to get me into His holiness. God's trying to get me into the otherness of who He is. Into His purity. Into His goodness. Into His grace. God's not trying to keep us away. That's why Jesus came. He wanted us near. Sometimes we've confused the message a little bit. It seems like we're trying to keep people away. Oh, you're not you're all messed up. Don't you can't do that. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. And God's saying, That's terrible. I'm coming for you. That's terrible. I want you I want you to take off your shoes. I want you to touch my holiness. You can take off all your dirt, it doesn't matter. I paid for it on the cross with Jesus, my only son. I want my holy ground. I want your life. Your life is my holy ground. What happens after this, of course, is Joshua you know, continues to obey God, but he's had an encounter with God. He's been supernaturally empowered by God from this encounter, I believe. You know, can you imagine the thoughts that are going through Joshua's mind? He knows what God... You know, he, God's going to tell him all this stuff. He's got to be ready to, to do something that looks so foolish. I mean, this is his first... First battle after Moses is is gone. And he goes to the people and says, Here's the plan, guys. I know I'm your new leader. I just took over. I'm a young whippersnapper here. And I'm going to tell you what God said to me. We're going to march around the the gigantic city. And we're we're just going to be quiet. I know they're just waiting for the... the, And and then what? (laughs) And? And then we're going to come back. Okay, they do it one day. They get up the next morning. Joshua's like, we're doing the same plan again. (laughs) Same plan. 
Okay, we do it again. Yeah, by about the sixth day, some of, some of us, just to be honest, some of you would be going, dude, let's, have a, this, let's turn this into a democracy. <laughs> We're having a vote. I mean, I know J- Moses said Joshua was the one, but dude, maybe this Caleb guy, you know, he, he was kind of cool too. Let's no, vote for Caleb. Vote for Caleb. Oh, he's not here. Too bad. Vote for Caleb. <laughs> I mean, Joshua had to have some resolve to do this. I mean, it's like then the seventh day, okay, now we're going to do it, but we're going to march around seven times, and then we're just going to shout like crazy. And don't tell me that Joshua didn't have the thought in his head, what if nothing happens? It's the same thought that comes into our head. When God's telling us something, and we know it's God, and we're going to step out in faith, but in the back of our mind, there's something that's saying, what if nothing happens? Sure, sure would give me a whole lot more confidence if I remember I'm holy ground. What does it say in the book of Corinthians? It says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it used to be there was a place where God's presence dwelt. It was like the holy place. You know, you only go there and that's where the, that's where the holy, holy stuff happens. That's where the worship happens. But now God says, no, I need, I need my temple everywhere. I need to get my presence out everywhere. How can I do that? I've got to make you holy. How do you receive? You just receive that by faith. I'm holy ground. That doesn't, that doesn't lift me up. That puts me in the position that God says I am as His child. I am set apart for the King of Kings. I am set apart for God Himself. That should give me some confidence. When God tells me to do something, His presence will go with me. Be strong and courageous to what God is telling you to do. And sometimes we think of the things that are like, okay, God's going to have me do this amazing ministry. No, sometimes it's strong and courageous to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to face the issues in my heart so that I quit screwing up my marriage. Sorry to use that word if that's offensive, but I'm going to face the issues that are stopping me. That's real courage there. You know, last night we were at the Teen Challenge Banquet and... If you're not familiar with Teen Challenge, it's a ministry that deals with those who are addicted uh, with, to substance abuse, usually of drugs, but yeah, alcohol or any, any really addictive behaviors. Uh, it's a program and ministry that's very successful and, and free. And they had all these guys and gals giving testimonies. Uh, but there was, there was a lot of courage that it takes to go through a program like that. Man, I wouldn't want to go live at Teen Challenge and have 37... 150 rules to walk through. But you know what? If God says, hey, this is your ticket to freedom and you're a slave to something, then you're gonna, you're gonna, you better take that ticket. And so some of us, we have to take the ticket that God has given us and say, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to deal with this. 